You're listening to the Northside Christian Church Sermon Podcast. These teachings are recorded at our weekly Sunday morning gatherings in Springfield, Missouri. For more about our church, service times, and how to connect, visit northsidechristianchurch.net. Reiterate what Jessica was just saying to us right now. In fact, if you just take out that seat card in front of you, I want you to look at it. It's in the seat pocket because next Sunday we want to challenge every single one of you, every one of you, to pray for every state, for more than one state, so we can make one lap around the world in one day. We're going to be doing this in our worship service with our adults. Our high school youth are going to be doing this. Our middle school youth are going to be doing this. And from the creators of prayer.global, they say, you might be the first church to ever do this. Pray for every state. The the, the world has been broken up into 4,770 states. And with the number of people participating, by you bringing your phone, by you bringing your phone or even a tablet if you'd like, we are going to do this next Sunday on January 15th. And if you scan this QR code on this card, you can download the prayer.global app uh, and you can just, it can already be there ready for next week, which I encourage you to do. So you have it. And by spending one minute in prayer, minimum of one minute in prayer for every state, we will do it in one day. And here's what's going to happen as we do this as a church family. First of all, you will be saying prayers that you've never said before for people that you didn't even know existed. You'll be praying in the way of Jesus when he prayed in John 17, 20 for those who do not yet believe. And that prayer will have a significant impact in your life and in the life of the people that you pray for. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be really cool. And that experience is going to be best in person. And so even if you're watching online right now, I'm going to encourage you on January 15th to be here in person because it's going to work best when we're all together. It's going to be significant. And because of this reason, we're going to have something special happening next week. And it's something that we're going to have to shut down our stream for in order to do it. And so really, it's only going to be those in this room that are going to get to experience that. So that's why it's important next week that we all come together, be here on January 15th for some really exciting things that God is going to be doing. And I want you to be prepared for that. I'm excited for how God is going to use it. So that is next Sunday. Just really want to plug that for you to be here. There are more cards like this in our Next Steps room in the lobby as you walk out these doors in the center here. And uh, so feel free to pick one of those up and, and take it with you to get it started. Something else I want to do today is I want to pause and just celebrate what God did through our one less gift offering through the month of December. Uh, You know, every year we just challenge our people to give or receive one less gift to give something to kingdom purposes. And here's what I want to share with you. I want to celebrate. Uh, During that month of December, as a church family, you gave $39,416.78 to this one less gift offering above our normal tithes and offerings. And in addition to that, we we had a family give $10,000 as a gift in stock uh, as well to the one less gift offering. Um, It blew my mind. This may be the largest one less gift offering we've ever had. And here's how this was broken down. I just want to show you. $34,216.78 plus that 10,000 stock donation went to Victory Mission, which was a, a matching challenge. That's all, all of that has the potential of, of being matched there at Victory Mission. We then gave 2,000 to Crosslines, 2,200 to our own benevolence fund, which we were beefing up for some needs that we're taking care of. And then also about $1,000 for our Christmas meals. And church, I think it's appropriate that we just take a moment 
and just celebrate what God did this offering. Just thank you for what God did through that. I mean, just, just grateful for how God moved your hearts to give to that. And, and it does make a significant difference. Um, I was on Thursday at our senior lunch and, and hearing a story about one of our families in our church who had received six meals to deliver on their route. And they kind of stuck around just to see if there might be a few more on Christmas Day that might need to be delivered to our community. And so they stuck around and they received eight more or five more meals. It added a route for them and it was on the south side of Springfield. And the meals that were added to them, they went to the south side and they, they went to the home of a nice elderly lady to her home to deliver this meal. They said you could tell she was expecting them to come. And she just communicated to them how grateful she was that they came and how much it meant to her. And then she shared with them her story of hurt and pain and loss because that week she was getting older in years. So her, her so was her husband appeared. Maybe he didn't want to be in a nursing home or just what he was facing he thought was too much. So he had taken his life on that Monday. And here she was on Christmas Day. And one of our families from our church with a hot meal was standing there at her door. Just showing her the love of Jesus. And caring for her in that way. Obviously now praying for her as well with what she's dealing with. It's just one story of many where people are hurting They're struggling, they're emotionally wrecked, they're wounded, and yet you're showing up. You're showing up and just letting the love of God flow out of you. And God was doing that through our Christmas season. God is continuing to do it now. He'll continue again. And that's why we're pausing. That's why we're celebrating. That's why we're we're looking back and remembering what God has done because God moves in people's lives. And and the reason we're celebrating it is, is for this reason. Because when we are good stewards, what flows out of our lives changes us and influences others with eternal implications. When we are good stewards, what flows out of us, it changes us, but it also influences others with eternal implications. And I'm not, I'm not exaggerating that. I'm not overstating it. I'm just actually restating what Jesus has said when we are good stewards of what is flowing out of our lives. We're in this short series called Flow. Last week, John talked to us about what flows in and how God is the owner. It all comes from him. Today, I want to talk about what flows out of our lives, what flows out, and how when we steward that, God uses it in significant ways. I I want you to open your Bible or your device to Luke chapter 16. I'll also have this text on the screen you can follow along. But this text may be one of the most perplexing parables that Jesus told. It could be a true story, but based on the the numbers that Jesus gives in the story, it, it may be a parable that he gave. But at surface level, when you read this thing, It appears that Jesus is encouraging us to be like a manager who mismanaged his master's money. And the reason it appears that way is because in the parable, Jesus is encouraging us to be like a manager who mismanaged his master's money. And you read it and you're just like, what? What is going on? He's not encouraging us to mismanage. He's not encouraging us to be dishonest. There's a trait about this manager that Jesus is saying, I wish my people were like that. 
I wish people who are followers of Jesus had that trait in their lives. We're going to see it uncovered in Luke 16, 1 through 13. So we're going to read this right now together. It's on the screen. Here's what the text says. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and he asked him, what's this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot manage any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master's taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. He's saying, I I can't do manual labor. I'm not going to ask my in-laws if I can move in. So he says, I know what I'll do. I know what I'll do. So that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each of his, each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The man, manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, make it 450. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill, make it 800. Have you ever been in a place where you lose your job? Have you ever been in a place where you lose your source of income? If so, you know how scary that can be. That's what's going on right now with this guy. And he's going to decide in advance that, that he's going to eliminate some of the debt that the people owed his master so he can get in good favor with them. So perhaps there's a place where he can land when he loses his job. He knows it's coming. He's mismanaged his master's resources. And so he tells those people who, you know, 900 gallons of oil is what you owe him. Make it 450. Cut it in half. You know, 100 gallons of oil probably would have taken about 150 olive trees. This guy owed 900. This is probably a commercial debt. We're talking two to three years salary of an average worker during that time. It's a lot of money. He's like, cut it in half. Another man owned a thousand bushels of wheat. It's cut to 800. It's reduced by 20%. This would have been the equivalent of maybe 10 years worth of salary. And he's reducing it. And what happens next is is surprising. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Let's read that again. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Okay, so Jesus is telling us to buy our friendships. Or is he? What is he saying? The point of the parable, be shrewd in preparing for your future. Be shrewd in preparing for your future. Even in the story, the master committed the dishonest manager not because he was dishonest, not for his mismanagement, but because he was shrewd. Because his back was up against the wall, the manager's going, man, that's brilliant. That when his back was up against the wall, he provided for his future. Got to hand it to him. He's not condoning his behavior. 
And the master's kind of caught because he can't go back to these customers or these people. He, he would hurt his reputation if he goes back on the word of the one that was working for him in this moment. And, and Derek gives even another perspective. He says that the manager was not actually reducing the actual debt that was owed, but, but was knocking off all the interest that accrued on the loan. Now that's possible. We don't know if that's the case. I'm not sure it's the case. But if it was the case, then he may have been following the Old Testament law of removing the interest from those who were in need, like Exodus 22, Leviticus 25, Deuteronomy 15, Deuteronomy 23. And in so doing, even though he would have reduced his master's income, he would have improved his reputation in the community. That's possible. The possibility exists. But regardless, he's doing it for his, for his own benefit, so he's provided for in the future. He was using his wealth to gain friends so he would have a place to land when he loses his job. That's what the dishonest manager was doing. That's how he did it. And I guess it's a little bit shocking when the manager commends him. It's somewhat shocking for acting shrewdly. But maybe what's more shocking is this. When Jesus goes on to say, I wish my followers were like that. I wish my disciples were more like that. But what Jesus says also shows a contrast between how the people of the world are shrewd and how the people of the kingdom ought to be shrewd. It's it's not necessarily apples to apples. It's not one in the same. There's some differences here. Jesus wants us to be shrewd. Shrewd means clever. Satan shouldn't have a monopoly on shrewdness. Shrewdness is a character quality. Not to be abandoned to the world, but redeemed for the kingdom. It's, it's like in Matthew ten sixteen when Jesus said, Be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. He's talking to his disciples who were harmless as doves in the sense that they were bringing peace and love and grace and a message of salvation and hope and warning of judgment if they don't repent. And yet they had to come at it with a very keen, shrewd mind because of the persecution and the hostility they were facing in the world. I, I've never really liked snakes. I, I'm trying to grow in that a little bit, you know, for the, what they can provide. But I, I've just not been a fan of snakes. And I'm not really a fan of the shrewd manager either. But I think I can learn something from them both when it comes to shrewdness. How to be shrewd. And in this story, Jesus is kind of using a bad person to make a good point. This man was preparing for the future, and Jesus is saying, be like that. But there is some differentiation here between the shrewdness of believers and the shrewdness of the world. Like when Jesus said in Luke 16, 9, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. A, a Christian's shrewdness should have eternal implications. Here's one way to look at it. The shrewd manager used money to gain friends for a temporary reward. It was for his immediate future, a temporary reward. But shrewd believers, they use money to invest in people for an eternal reward. They're investing in people for an eternal reward. While the world is living for the moment, living for now. If you invest in the things of the world to reap the things of the world, it's temporary and eventually it's going to result in nothing. But if you invest in the things of the world to reap things for the kingdom of heaven, 
it will result in eternal rewards. And, and Jesus points out this very sad truth. He says the people of this world, they're more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of the light. And what he's saying is this. The world uses more creativity in an effort to make money than Christians do to reach people for Christ. The world puts in more effort. They use more shrewdness in making money and providing for themselves temporarily than the believers, the followers of Jesus do in preparation for eternity and helping other people to get there. And it's tragic. Because in Luke 16, 9, it says, when your possessions are gone, when your possessions are gone. In other words, like, what, what are you going to show for this? Is it going to be temporary or eternal? When your possessions are gone. We all know the possessions are going to be gone. That what flows in flows out. Easy come, easy go. We know that we don't get to take it with us. When our life on this earth is over, it's humbling to acknowledge it and to recognize it and to see it. But we know it's true. You all feel this. You feel it going all the time. How many of your parents of young children? Just go ahead and raise your hand around. Your parents of young kids. Yeah. Oh, you know what this is like. I mean, di- the, the expense of diapers and feedings and formula and car seats and strollers and booster seats and equipment and safety items. I mean, the, the cost of this, it's just like, you're just like, whatever flows in, it's flowing right out. That's not just the baby. That's your finances too. What flows in flows out and you feel it. And the only thing that's worse than being a parent of children and you're seeing it happen is being a parent of teenagers. How many of you have teenagers in your home? It's just bigger people, bigger expenses. It's more food. It's more equipment. It's more. And you're just like, whoa, this is just flowing out of here. What is going on? And especially when it's Christmas break and everybody comes home and then you're just like, holy moly. Um, How do we feed these people? And it's just you're seeing it flow out. And then some of you in this room, you're, you're approaching retirement age. You're approaching retirement age. Or you're in retirement now. And some of you are going, man, I, I, I worked and worked and I saved and saved. I invested, I invested. I, I put in all the work for that. And you retired. And now you're going, I think I'm going to have to go back to work. Because you watched your portfolio do this. And it flowed in, but now it's flowing out and you're hoping for some more flow in and you're, you're feeling the pressure of that, of what it's like when it reminds you, I mean, there will come a time someday when there's, there's nothing left. And the only benefit you got right now is you're like, well, maybe I can take some losses on my taxes, but you're experiencing some other losses as well. And I think we understand what Jesus is saying when he says, when it's all gone, it, it, what flows in flows out. And yes, that's humbling. But here's the question. When it's gone, not if, but when, when it's gone, will it testify on your behalf that you should be welcomed into eternal dwellings? When it's gone, 
How was it used? How did it flow out of your life? When it's gone, will it have been invested in kingdom work that has eternal implications? Because when it comes to our wealth, I think through the years, hopefully you've learned some things about what we do with the wealth when it flows into our lives. Like we should earn it honestly. That's Deuteronomy 8.18. We should earn it honestly. And then we should give it generously. Second Corinthians uh, chapter 8 and other scriptures, we give it generously. But then we save it gradually. That's Proverbs eleven thirteen, And then we spend it wisely. Proverbs 21, 20. Then we enjoy it carefully like Ecclesiastes 9 and 1 Timothy 6 given for, for your enjoyment. We enjoy it carefully. But Jesus would add this to any resource that flows into our lives. He would add this. You should also use it shrewdly for kingdom purposes. You should use it shrewdly to advance the kingdom for eternal purposes. How are you being shrewd with what God has given you? What has God? He's already given you resources. What will you do with them? I, I want you to think of the four T's, the four T's. This is what God has given you. He's already given you time. You have time. You have talent. That's your gifts that God has given you. You have time. You have talent. You have a testimony to be used for God. Your story of what God is doing in your life, God's story. You have Words, you have a story, you have a testimony to share. But you also have this, you have treasure. Every resource God has given you, you have treasure that can be invested and used for God. He's given you the four T's. How are you leveraging these four T's for kingdom purposes? Richard or R.C. Trench wrote this. He says, unfortunately, the world is better served by its servants than God is by his. Are the people of the world outsmarting people of the light? <laughs> are the people of the light outsmarting the people of the world? Or are we being outsmarted by them? How much effort, how much creativity, how much work, how much shrewdness are you using to take every resource that God has given you and leveraging it for kingdom purposes? How much time have you spent on that, thinking about that, when it comes to your coworkers and your neighbors and your friends and your family? sharing the good news of the gospel with them or helping them encounter God in a meaningful way. We need to use our resources to be put to use for the kingdom of God. We need to learn from shrewd people. We need to learn from them. That's why Jesus would even give us a shrewd person who was a dishonest manager and say, there's some ways in which I wish you were more like him. Because if he would put that level of effort and energy and time and talent and treasure and testimony and shrewdness into providing for his immediate future, how much more should you do it for a future that lasts for eternity? Let's learn from him. And then Jesus goes on to say this in Luke 16, 10 through 12. Whoever be can, can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever's dishonest with very little can also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? One of the ways I look at that is just we tend to think if I just had a little bit more, then I could use it for kingdom purposes. If I just had a little bit more, then I could be generous. Then I could do something for God. Then I could share with others. I, I just need a little bit more. It's just, it's the mindset we all tend to have. Maybe you remember thinking back when you, when you, when your household income was $25,000 a year. And at that time you were thinking to yourself, you know, if our household income 
with whoever's in this home right here, it could be 50,000. If we could double, man, we could more than take care of our expenses. We'd have the opportunity to be generous. We could give to needs. We could give to kingdom work. I mean, man, then I would have enough. And then when your household income got to 50,000, you said, well, if we could get to like 75,000, you know, say five to a hundred, then I could really be in a position where we could make a difference. Where they can't. It's always a little bit more than whatever we have now. In fact, research has shown that for most people, they think financial security and happiness is about double whatever they are right now. And that's just a moving target. It just keeps increasing. It's more, then I will do this. But here's the problem. And here's what Jesus is saying. The people, the problem is people who refuse to use their resources now to invest in people for eternal purposes, refuse to do it later. Here's another way of saying it. Who I am before I have enough is who I will be after. Who I am before I have enough is who I am after. If something doesn't change... I won't be any different. You can't say, I know I'm not very hardworking or trustworthy and and working this low-level job, but once I get the promotion that I deserve, then I will work hard and apply myself and use those resources in these ways. It just doesn't work that way. Who I am now is likely who I will be later unless something actually changes. We have to start sharing and being generous and being accountable and trustworthy to what God has already given us and thinking about how can I leverage this for kingdom purposes now. Jesus goes on to say this, Luke 16, 13 and 15. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And the Pharisees who love money heard all this and they were sneering at Jesus. I'm just going to stop there. They're sneering at him. Look, we can either worship our wealth or worship with our wealth. I mean, that's the only two options. Either we worship our wealth or we worship with our wealth. You can do one or the other. And the Pharisees had come to this place. They were worshiping wealth. They were worshiping money. And, and, and as Jesus is speaking, they're actually sneering at him. My prayer is not that you would be sneering today, but that you would be seeing today. That God wants you to leverage every resource you have, your time, your talent, your treasure, your testimony, to advance the kingdom, to prepare for eternal implications that will last forever. That's my challenge. I want to challenge you to be generous right now with your time, your talent, your treasure, and your testimony. Do not wait. And the reason for this is because the way that you worship with your wealth is through generosity. Generosity is the antidote to loving money. It's the antidote to that premeditated generosity where you look for ways to share with others and bless others and care for others, to give to others. And that kind of generosity doesn't always show up as a deduction on your, in your taxes. It's when you're, you're in line at the grocery store It's when you're pumping gas at the pump. It's when you encounter the need and God lays it on your heart in that moment. Those are ways that you give generously to others and invest in eternal purposes. It happens when you creatively think about what could we proactively give to? Instead of just when someone says, would you like to make a dollar donation to such and such? You're like, oh, I guess I don't do that for anything else. So sure, I'll give a dollar. What if we were more proactive And actually, on occasion, said no to that because we've had a much bigger yes 
to something significant? What if we premeditated some generosity? Maybe you've been generous spontaneously or sporadically or sparingly here or there. I want to challenge you to be generous consistently. That usually requires a premeditated generosity where you can leverage your resources for kingdom purposes. You don't serve two masters. You can only serve one. So use your time. Use your talents. Use your testimony liberally. And use your treasure to grow the kingdom. And I'm going to share with you a couple of ways that I can see that you could do that right now. Probably a month or two ago, I was talking with some of our workers who are working in, in probably some of the driest, most difficult regions in our world. And as we were talking together, they were just sharing the story about the region of the world that they work in is a region where initially, originally, early on, Christianity was flourishing. It was like almost like a birthplace of Christianity. But because of persecution and people sweeping in and driving the Christians out, killing them, because of intense persecution, that country went for centuries, to our knowledge, without a single Christian there, without a single church there, a single believer there, a single Bible there. I mean, it was dry, it was barren, it was lost as as it can possibly be, which is why now as the gospel is resurfacing in that part of the world, there is significant spiritual warfare. Oftentimes people coming to Christ are dealing with demon possession. They have curses put on them by family members. There's domestic abuse and brokenness and persecution and oppression. It's their day-to-day reality that they are dealing with in a place that had just been completely uh, isolated from the good news of the gospel of Jesus. And yet great inroads have been made. And a lot of this is because the younger generation began to get on social media and they began to access websites. They were wanting to learn more and learn new ideas. And those who became Christians, those who came to know Jesus because of that, because of technology, if you were to ask them today, how did you come to faith in Jesus? Almost every single one of them would say it was this website or it was this Facebook page. It, it was this. They had never had a chance prior to that in their life to know a Christian, to know a believer, to have a conversation about Jesus, to hear about Jesus, to read a Bible. They didn't have access to that. And if you talk to our workers personally that we support who are doing this work, they would say, here's the bad news. When it comes in that particular country specifically with the websites and the Facebook pages and all this stuff, they're like, we are limping along. Thousands and thousands of people are coming to those pages, but they are just limping along. Why? Because right now they lack the resources of believers who are shrewd enough and interested enough in kingdom advancement to say, even though I don't know who those people are, even though I've never visited that place or I've never been to that country, I could use my time, my talent, my treasure, my testimony to help keep it going. And so for right now, they said, we need people like photographers, When you're using social media and technology to advance the gospel, we need photographers, people who are somewhat gifted in taking pictures and can help set some things up that we need to use. They need videographers to help with some of the production of videos that they're doing. They need people who can take audio and, and testimonies of people and put that together so that there's audio testimony that can be listened to because sometimes they can't show the person. They need, they need people who actually can help with website maintenance and, and building of site. That doesn't mean you have to be a programmer. Maybe you're just really good with WordPress. 
Many people do these things. And here's what I know. Here's why it gels so good with what we do here at Northside. You know, you've heard, especially over this entire fall semester at Northside, our vision to reproduce, you know, multiplying disciples who are multiplying disciples. You, you know that it's in our vision that we want to see people enter into the harvest field, enter into broken places. And we want them to share the gospel and make disciples and help form churches and raise up leaders who are entering the harvest field and sharing the gospel. And here's what's so beautiful about this. You can enter the harvest field without ever actually even going to that place. Because God has given you time and talent and treasure and testimony that can be leveraged and used for the Lord. Maybe at this moment, you just hadn't yet either been shrewd enough or intentional enough or maybe knew the opportunities that existed for you to leverage your resources for the kingdom. And yet I know right now we got some workers that would love to talk to you and meet you and hear what you might be able to offer to the work right now. You could do that. We have such a treasure in social media. The world is using it. So they can get out their message, which ultimately means nothing. How much more should we, as shrewd believers, who have the best message on the planet, share what we have? And if you're sitting here today and you're going, that is resonating with me. Like, I want to help with that. I want to get involved with that. I could be a part of that. And you sense that? I want to know. Because I want to somehow try to connect you together. And you can do that by emailing me, Wayne at NorthsideChristianChurch.net or Corey at NorthsideChristianChurch.net or Jessica at NorthsideChristianChurch.net because all three of us were in that room having this conversation on that day. We would love to try to get you connected. When you use your gifts for kingdom purposes, it, it grows you. It leads your heart. It gets you in the game. It allows the Holy Spirit to work in and through you in the expression of your gifts. It gets you involved in the Christian community. It gives you a front row seat to the work of God. And many of you are missing out. And the reason is simply because right now, at this moment where you sit today or where you're listening right now, you're just not being shrewd about how to use your resources for the kingdom of God. It's, it's not flowing out of you for, with eternal implications. It's not impacting where you live, work, and play. And it's time to leverage it for the kingdom. It's why you feel bored. It's why you feel disconnected. It's why you don't feel a part of a community. It's why you're growing disinterested. It's why you're fading away because you're not involved in that. And that's what it requires is for us to engage and get involved. And one of the reasons I am concerned for the, the church at large in America is because there has been a massive, ever since COVID 2020, there has been a massive walking away from serving and ministry and kingdom work. I mean, at an epic level in our country. Because people disengaged never to engage again. If, if I were guessing, just based on observation, what I'm hearing and conversations, since 2020, I think those who serve and volunteer in our church is probably in half here at Northside. Just Northside. We're better than some. We're worse than some. Maybe it's half of where we were when it comes to actual involvement and serving in ministry and doing things. I mean, this is like the first time since I've been at Northside, and I came to Northside in 1994, when, I mean, obviously there's always needs for people to serve and, and get involved in ministry. But when, when you look at scarcity in certain ministries areas, so you just know, 
you just know there, there is a lack of leveraging what God has given you. Your time, treasure, testimony. What's the other one? Time, treasure, testimony, treasure, time, time. talent. Thank you. Your talent for the kingdom, for eternal implications. But God wants to use you. He wants to use you in this church. He wants to use you in your community. This is what we're about. We're about leveraging this to grow the kingdom. Make disciples. Let me just close with this thought. Another way I'm just seeing God move right now. And I'd say this is kind of a movement of God that I'm seeing even in our nation right now. It's it's blowing my mind, actually. I'd put this under the fourth T of testimony. In all the years that I've enjoyed watching sports, I've never seen something quite like this become such a catalyst so quickly. So my wife and I, Kim Kim and I, we, we were sitting there in our living room and we were watching the Bills on Monday Night Football this last Monday night when DeMar Hamlin, the safety for the Bills, made that tackle and stood back up to his feet and adjusted his face mask with his right hand and then just fell back. And immediately, medical personnel just rushed onto that field to provide immediate care for him because he was in cardiac arrest. They have an equipment manager who's immediately removing the face mask. They had doctors and medical personnel, a trainer, right there in that moment. Denny Kellington just started administering CPR. And if you've ever seen CPR, you you now know why when the players all came around to provide some privacy as they were working with him, you saw the reaction on their faces of what was going on. They had never seen that before. I'd never seen it before in professional sports in the NFL. Someone who is dying on the field. And they're trying to get his heart started again. 19 minutes. He's on the ground and they're working on on him, trying to get his heart restored, giving him oxygen, CPR, an AED is used to get a heartbeat again. And these players are in shock. Everything came to a halt. Teammates were crying. The stadium became somber and silent. The broadcast personnel were in shock. They're filled with concern. This is a life and death situation being played out in front of everybody. The millions who are watching, everybody in the stands and You saw people praying. You saw people concerned. And then you saw this as the ambulance pulled away. You saw the Bills team gathered there. The debris from trying to help him still on the ground. And they're in a circle and they're just praying. They're stunned. They're shocked. Both teams had come together. They walk off the field. They go to their locker rooms. I mean, for like an hour and a half. I mean, people are still just sitting there in their living rooms, glued to a TV, don't, don't, not knowing if, if DeMar had lived, was he going to make it, what, what had happened with him, what was going to take place, and how, how do you resume a game when something like this happens and people are visibly upset. Of course, they postponed the game and indefinitely. And one of the more meaningful things for me was the next day to see Dan Orlovsky, a football analyst, Just pray out loud on the NFL Live. And here's what he said. He said, maybe this is not the right thing to do, but it's just on my heart that I want to pray for DeMar Hamlin right now. I'm going to do it out loud. 
I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head and I'm just going to pray for him. Instead of just saying, pray for him or we're praying for him, he actually prayed. And there has been just, if you're in that world at all, in the sports world and what's happening across the nation, NFL stadiums around the world, there has been a prayer movement (laughs) that has been unleashed with this thing. Maybe people hadn't prayed in a long time or praying. Praying on the air. Gathering at a hospital to pray. Yesterday, over this weekend of important games, you had NFL teams before the game, they would, they would come to the center of the field and they'd all get on their knees, both teams together, and they're praying. Somehow there's been an awakening a spiritual awakening that when we are hurting and scared and when something happens that shakes us to our core, we go to God. Because unfortunately, so many times we just, we ignore him. We push him aside. We don't just do that with prayer. We do it with our talents. We do it with our treasure. We do it with our testimony. We do it with our time. And Jesus says, I wish my people would be more like the people of the world who spend so much energy and effort and time to make money for themselves for the temporary. I wish you would use your resources to make friends for yourself so that you're welcomed into eternal places. So you're expanding the kingdom. You're you're growing the kingdom. You're receiving an eternal reward. That's what God's calling us to do today. That when you're when you're in line at the grocery store, you're, you encounter someone at the gas station or you, you hear of a need or you walk up to someone's door to give them some food and you, you say, can I, oh, I, I just want to pray. Can I pray for you right now? And you don't say hashtag prayer. I mean, you could do that, but you just start praying. You start praying. And you say, God, I want to get in the game. I want you to use me. I want you to use this for your kingdom. I want to be a, a good, faithful steward with what you've given me. I don't want to be dishonest. I don't want to mismanage the time, talent, treasure, testimony that you've given me. God, I want, I want, to, I want to leverage this for your kingdom. I want to be faithful with the, whatever little I have right now. I'm going to start with that. And I just want to pray that you, I just want to ask that you would stand to your feet. and I just want to pray for us right now. We want to ask God that he would just use us. Jesus, I know that you you desire that we would be people who leverage everything you gave us for the kingdom. And I just want to pray, God, that you would you'd help us to be shrewd. Lord, I want to pray that you would, right now in this moment, just not only bring conviction to our hearts, but Jesus... I pray that you would make us wise and you would put a burning passion in our hearts. And and Jesus, I I, want to pray that you would, in this moment, help us to have this conviction. We would just start right now with whatever you've given us. And and Lord, we would put the effort and the time and, and the money and the talents to use for your kingdom. And I just want to pray that in doing so, Lord, there's a movement. Just like there's a prayer movement going on right now, which... Lord, we believe in prayer. We, I want to pray that there's a movement of people using their gifts for the kingdom. And because of it, there are eternal implications where we're welcomed into an eternal reward and others with this.
we've been able to use those resources for. I pray that, Jesus. What flows out of our lives would be honoring to you. And I pray that for each and every one of us, you would do that in us beginning today. And it's in Christ's name we pray. And our God's people say, amen. You know, as we worship our way out of here, I just want you to know that, first of all, if you want prayer today, you want to begin a relationship with Jesus today, you want to talk about ways God could leverage what you have for the kingdom, I'd love to talk to you. I'll be right over here at Decision Point, right through those double doors. Love to meet you there. If you're online, just go to our website there, slash decision, and begin that conversation with us. And as you leave today, you can give your treasure as an act of worship simply by going to the past the doors there. There's there's boxes right at the doors of our worship center where you can give to God for kingdom advancement. We invite you to do it. That even as we sing right now, you you just know that God is faithful. He fills us with greater faith because we believe. Let's take that step right now as we sing. Thanks for joining us this morning, Northside. Before you go, make sure you check in and let us know you were here. Text the word CHECK to 417-233-1200. If you want to respond to today's service, you can do that online through Decision Point. If you want to know more about baptism or becoming a member, you can request more info at northsidechristianchurch.net slash decision. This is also the place to find out about our life groups, find out what sort of service opportunities there are, or if you just need to get in touch with a minister. And if you're online, you probably use social media too. Make sure you're following along with Northside on our Facebook page, Instagram account, YouTube channel, or Twitter. We are glad that you chose to join us this morning. As we head out for the week, let's make sure we take the love of God with us. Take good care of each other, Northside.